Welcome to Who is Grace Weekly, Grace Church's weekly podcast. My name is John Tiernan, and I'm excited to be your host as we discuss the I Am Jesus sermon series. Our mission here at Grace is to make and be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we hope these conversations encourage you to live out that mission in your everyday life. Today, I'll be doing a deeper dive with Pastor Derek about his message from Sunday, including some bonus content that didn't make it to his sermon that he's excited to tell you about. We will also talk about how we attempt to satisfy our spiritual hunger as well as the spiritual discipline of fellowship. We would love for you to share this podcast with others, to like and subscribe so you get notifications about every episode each week. Let's jump into my conversation with Pastor Derek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode four uh, of our weekly podcast. I'm here with Pastor Derek, uh, and we're so glad that you're joining us for this conversation today. Pastor D, you want to say hey to everybody? What's up, John? What's up, everybody? Good to be here. So we are talking about Jesus as the bread of life, which is really exciting. Uh, Before we jump into that, I want to ask you, what is your favorite bread or bakery item? Well, thanks for asking. Um, (laughs) The 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 snobby answer is yeah. Kim and I were in Paris one time, and they have these patisseries all all down up and down the street. These little pastry shops. Yeah, and I'm sure I butchered the French right there, but the the the. And, and it's weird because that word is the name for both the shop and the the pastry, the oh, product, cool. which is interesting. But anyway, I've never, I hadn't always been like a hard, crunchy outside pastry and, you know, whatever. I, I like it just soft generally. Like a donut. Like a donut. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> My staple you. food. We talk about staple. The... Uh, but man, that that like a French pastry like that is a whole different deal. Like it's got this like crunchy outside and then inside it's the, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, so like all time favorite, that's great. But what I mentioned and got questioned about immediately after my sermon was where's the local place that I talked about in my sermon oh, that the has sourdough the bread. sourdough bread that has wood fired ovens and that I stand in line. I stand in my own kind of bread line every week, but it's not that kind. Um, so yes, it's Majestic Bakery that we fell in love with is in downtown Erie and, uh, Majestic Baking Company, I think is their website or whatever, but man, sourdough bread. And there are these, there are these, uh, they, they do a different variation every week. So they'll sometimes have, you know, cheesy bread or cheese and bacon in the sourdough and, and plus just the standard Erie sourdough. Um, but then they do these little rolls that are like pepperoni and mozzarella rolls, mm. and there's there's some good stuff. Do you have You're a? Do you have really a, hungry? I know. Do you have a favorite local spot? We Red? just discovered a new one that I'm really excited about: Herb and Honey in Urbaniac Brothers Market. Just discovered it last weekend, and we were really excited to go back this weekend. Wow. Uh, we actually are going to put the online order in. So Herb and Honey is the name of the the company. It's the name of the the bakery, the bakery. and they have a the little setup. Uh, Jessica has a little setup right there in the in the market, and you can I suggest you put a little pre order in and then go pick it up there. But man, we had some delicious chocolate croissants that Whoa. I think I could have every Saturday for the rest of my life. So, really? Yeah, they're really good. So you're more of a sweet bread, it's like oh, a yes. dessert bread kind yes. of guy. <laughs> when I can justify dessert for breakfast, I am in every time. <laughs> Every time. Perfect. So, man, I have loved this series. This has been so good. It's wild that we did this a few years ago, and I'm finding it just as, like, I don't know if riveting is the right word, but engaging, meaningful, convicting, inspiring. I love it. And Pastor Sarah did an incredible job last week talking about Jesus as the light of the world. Yeah. Uh, for those who missed that that conversation, feel free to check out episode three. Uh, you gave another powerful message this Sunday about Jesus being the bread of life, and this big idea just strikes. Because Jesus is the bread of life, you can be satisfied. What a promise. What a promise. And you talked about three ways Jesus satisfies uh, my deepest needs. He feeds my spiritual hunger, not my worldly appetites. He accomplishes the salvation that I couldn't pull off. He gives himself 
and not a vending machine of blessings. Boom. <laughs> Just sit with those for a little bit. Uh, one of the questions you asked toward the end was, where are you gonna? Where are you going to try to fulfill your spiritual hunger? So I want to like turn the tables. That's what I love about this podcast is just yeah. like to hit you with your own question, right? <laughs> I'd love for you to share an answer to that. Where are you mm. going to try and fulfill your spiritual hunger, you know, outside of Jesus? Mm. And why is Jesus able to satisfy in a way that that thing can't? Yeah. You know, I, I think that I remember a, a quote back from the olden days. George, George MacDonald said this quote that just gets me every time. He says, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. Mm. You have a body. And usually we think of it different than that. Like we think that our personhood is based on having a body, and then and then we have a soul kind of on the side. And and this quote I think brings it into such clarity that you're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. The soul is the part of you that goes on forever. The soul is the part of you that's most important. Like that's the real you, the most important part of you. And again, this is a this is a uniquely Christian worldview kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a secular humanist, you don't necessarily think this is true. You think that physical is all there is. It's you know we're here by chance, survival of the fittest, the whole deal. Your your body's kind of it, and when your body's done, you're done. And obviously, the Christian worldview says no. You're you're actually a soul and um, inhabiting a body, mm-hmm. and that soul is going to go on when your last day on the calendar is checked off, yeah. you know? And so, and, he, and even Jesus, like, he claimed that there's nothing more important than this. And I mean, he said this famous phrase where, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? And so I think he's kind of giving this nod to the fact that, you know, we go to stuff to satisfy us, when he's the only one that can satisfy us. Mm. And, you know, for me, I can get caught up in addictions with food. Like, that's a big thing that I've shared with the congregation of just going. And, and it's not just about the the thing. It's about what it does for me, how it makes me feel and that sort of a thing. And I, I just know that, um, you know, that that I have to keep coming back. I think we have to keep coming back to this idea that um, the soul is the most important part of us, and we need to feed that. And... I remember in my my uh, one of my earliest sermons that I ever preached, like you know, twenty whatever years ago, it, it, I kind of teased at this idea because Christians, I think, are trained to think that like material stuff is not satisfying, and it is, and so it. You know, and so yeah. like I remember telling this story to one of my sermons about there's this guy who has a Ferrari and he has a boat and he has this huge mansion and a trophy wife and I was I was setting up the congregation. I'm like, and do you think he was happy? And everybody goes, No. And I'm like, Of course he was happy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The dude had everything that money could buy. Oh, but and, and so, you know, there's a setup like that of like there is something satisfying about the stuff. Yeah, there's pleasure there. There's pleasure in the stuff. And so I don't I think it's disingenuous not to admit that. Right. But what's also true is that if we want to live a deeply satisfied life, it has to go past that stuff. Because I think we all know, I know a lot of wealthy people, mm-hmm. and I know plenty of people who have said to me, I'd give it all up if I could feel down to my toes like I had a purpose in this life. Wow. You know, or th- there's just that like hunger for something more than that's more than a craving. And I think that was kind of the, the play on words that I tried to use in this Bread of Life ser- sermon, is that there's a hunger that goes to the soul level that a craving can't fill. 
Wow. You know, and that we try to fill that deep hunger with with a craving. And you know, I would just encourage people to do a little experiment. I think there's there there's a good experiment that that shows the the um how how stuff doesn't fully satisfy us. And so here's the experiment that I would encourage people that you know that we all have those things that we can kind of get obsessed over that we're like if I could have that Amazon purchase I would be thrilled or if I could get an Apple Watch or if I could get a you know a, a Tesla car or you know whatever you know whatever scale that thing is mm-hmm. and this starts for us early in in life so maybe when you were a teenager it was that outfit or that device or you know whatever boyfriend but girlfriend there there you go boyfriend or girlfriend if yep. I could have that person so it, it, here's the experiment um, and and because I have those things too, and it's just like they, I know that they're wants and they're not needs. But give me a, a little bit, and I'll justify how it's a need. You know what I mean? How, yeah. I, how I can move that category? I, I need it to to feel to, happy and right. satisfied. Yeah. Right. And so um, the, the experiment is this: figure out what that thing is for you, get that thing, and then see how long it takes for that thing to just become mundane to you. Because I think we all have shelves full of stuff that we were like, I have to have that, I have to have that, I have to have that. And like a week into having it, we're like, oh, it, it just becomes this like thing that we have. Mm. And all of that shine that was part of the original like lust for that thing has worn off. And, you know, wow. go ahead. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, when he's talking about this, he's talking about it like, you know, I'd put it in modern terms going, so there's this hunger that we have that's spiritual and soul filling, and there's like a junk food side of things that, that he calls it the 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 food that spoils, yeah, you know the food that goes bad, yeah, and all the stuff that we think is so important is gonna end up in a junkyard someday. Yeah. I mean every single thing, and and while our soul will live on, and so I think that just right now thinking through. You know, why is Jesus able to satisfy things that are a part of us that things can't? It's because the most important part of us is eternal, and Jesus is the only thing that's eternal that can satisfy that. The, the that as you describe that, I'm thinking of the um, the real pleasure of worldly things. Yeah, right, like things yeah. in this world, and, and that can, and that can be enjoyed to the glory of God. Absolutely, right? like, there's a place for that. But I think what you're saying and what Jesus was saying is they will disappoint you. Yeah. Like they will leave you empty er after some time Jesus w- won't. Like That's right. his his satisfaction, his joy, peace, contentment that he brings is lasting, is eternal. That's right. And, and he's the only one that can promise that. It's just really powerful to, to think on that and, and to really name that thing in your life that the, even if you don't realize it, yeah. you keep coming back to it in your mind, in your heart. Oh, if I just had that, then I'd be satisfied. Then I'd be content. Right. Instead of saying, you know what, that's going to leave me empty ultimately. Jesus won't. Yeah. And and John Piper would argue that we don't need to turn down our desires. We need to turn up our, our desires. Mm, yeah. He, he said, you know, he would say that our he talks about this Christian hedonism, you know, the and hedonism is just the pursuit of personal pleasure. And he said the problem with Christians is not that our desire is too strong, because we would like to think, well, I need to, you know, abstain and get cut back and blah blah. But that our desire is too weak, that if we would only desire Jesus more, that it would put all those other desires kind of in their proper place. Yeah. You know. And I've, I've heard you say before that the discipline of fasting is mm-hmm. where we prioritize the spiritual over the physical. It's, yeah. it's a way that we kind of declare or practice 
saying, Jesus, you're, I, I, I want you more. Yeah. You're better. You're, you're the thing that will satisfy me more than food for this day mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever you might fast if it's not food, but food has been the most traditional and yeah. usually the most powerful thing to fast. Um, any thoughts on that? Of, of yeah. how, how do we connect that spiritual discipline to this idea that Jesus satisfies? Yeah, it's great. I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I do think it's one of those like practices, those practical things that we can incorporate into our life that remind us of this truth. Because it's very easy to go through this life and just forget that the physical stuff isn't all that there is, yes. you know, and, or isn't most important. And so this ancient discipline of fasting, which is just going without food for a period of time or, you know, fasting for a meal, or they can take any kind of you know, form or, or function, that it becomes this reminder that as I'm doing it and I, as I begin to experience the hunger pangs, or if, or if you're fasting from social media or something, as I experience that desire to pick up the phone, that that thing, inside, that physical reaction in me is a reminder to me that there's something more important. And I think, you know, during Lent is the perfect time to talk about this because it's traditionally the time when we've we've practiced fasting or sacrificing something for something greater. And, you know, I think that's exactly what we're doing. We're putting the spiritual and the physical in their proper order yeah. that, that often gets out of whack. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you've never fasted before, I'd encourage you skip a meal and when you do replace that time, you know, with with an intentional time to to pray, and every time you feel that that hunger that that, that Derek you're describing, that desire to eat, let it point you back to Jesus to say, "You're better. You you are the thing that I really want. You you satisfy me in a way that food and other things can't." That's right. Um, it would just be a really cool thing to try if you've never done it before. Um, I, I think it would be it'd be a cool thing. Um, there's something else I was gonna say on that. And can't think of it right now. But oh, the the goal the goal of fasting is not just to make this sacrifice for God. That's right. You're not just saying, I, oh, I'm trying to put myself through this like painful experience just to show God how much I love Him. Even though there's there's a devotion side of it, mm-hmm. it is to actually just reorient your heart that's right. about what matters most. Um, so just that there's purpose in the in the fasting, not just checking a box. Yeah. All right, man. I love this segment, cutting room floor. This is where we get to hear a little bonus content from <laughs> your message that you know didn't make it to the final. The final draft. So what's something from your sermon that you want to tell people about? Yeah, so there's this constant theme through the Gospels, through John, where um, the the crowds... So we talked a lot in my sermon about the crowds and, you know, distinguishing between the crowds and the disciples. And the crowds can be fickle. We see that all the way through. But one of the one of the distinguishing marks of the crowds through the Gospels is they're, they're always wanting a sign, Right, show me a sign. Show me a sign. And it and part of what what I think is interesting it so reminds me of some of our modern approaches to Christianity. Of like, if Jesus would just do X, Y, or Z, then I would, mm-hmm. then I would believe. And so in in these ways that so the crowds need a sign. And in the passage that we went through, the sign that they're asking for is the the manna. Uh, so from you know the wilderness wanderings, God provided this bread, and uh, so the cutting room floor from my sermon is I was going to do this whole thing about signs and the bread and the manna, and uh, just talk about it for a, for a, for a second here. So the, the the crowds need this sign, they need the spiritual high, they need the spectacular. They're saying like, do the magic, do the manna magic trick, like Moses did in the Old Testament kind of deal. And uh, Jesus kind of snaps this 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 phrase off, and it's actually over in Matthew. But he says, "An evil generation asks for signs," mm. and then he says, "Basically, the only sign that you need is the sign of Jonah," which we know Jonah was three days in, in the belly of the fish, and Jesus is kind of tipping his cap to the to the resurrection, yeah, and going, "That's the only sign you need." 
So, so let, let's stop with the magic trick requests. And, uh, but if you go back to the manna, which is what, which is what they were asking for, I just think there are so many lessons for us in this, in the story of the manna. So, you know, Exodus 15, the, the Israelites are coming out of slavery. They're in the wilderness wanderings and, 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 in Exodus 15, there's this, it's called the Song of Moses, where the people rate this, God is our deliverer, God is strong, God prevailed over Pharaoh and his, you know, his chariots or whatever. Then in Exodus 16, and I love the placement of these things in the Bible, the next, the very next chapter, they sing a song about how God has left them, <laughs> how they don't have any food, how they wish they were back in slavery in Egypt, right? And 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 so all too relatable. Yeah, all too relatable. And 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 in the meantime, God decides to send the, their their problem was they didn't have bread, they didn't have food, and so God sends them this bread from heaven. It's called manna for forty years. Every day, God sends them this bread. And the, the manna came with a strange rule. It came with this rule that says no one is to keep any of it until morning. So you take enough for yourself today and for your family today, but no leftovers, no stockpiling, just enough food for today. And some people cheated on this. And when they cheated on it, when they took too much, it got maggots. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you think about this, uh, a Jewish dude, you know, coming home to his, his, to his family and is ready to sit down with his manna sandwich for dinner and he gets sandwich oh. with a side of maggots, oh. you know? And, and so, um, he probably didn't think manna was that great in the first place, let alone, let alone the maggot side of maggots. Oh. Um, but, but I, what I love about this is that it was just good for today. And, and, and we have to ask the question, well, why would God do that? And I think that he wanted his people to learn that he would be faithful to them again tomorrow. Mm. And he would hoped that they would learn that he wouldn't forget them. That like on after day 300 or day 400 or day a thousand day after day of coming back and he's provided for them again and again, that the people would finally get it through their mind. I think God will take care of me again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what God was trying to, to build into them. And so, you know, you fast forward that a thousand years and people start prophesying about a Messiah. And, and it's interesting. Some of the prophecies about the Messiah call him the bread from heaven, that the Messiah will bring with him bread from heaven. And then you go a couple hundred more years and you see this crowd in John 6 that I talked about on Sunday where Jesus multiplies the loaves. And, and here's, here's, the, here's the, the punchline that I w- w- want to drive at. They put it together. So the, so the crowd got it. You see it in their comments to Jesus that they're going, oh, this is the bread that accompanies the coming Messiah. Like I, they put it all together. So they knew in their heads that he was the one, and they still can't follow him because they have this fascination with the, the vending machine syndrome. Oh. So, so they realize he's the bread, and what they don't say, they don't say, oh, you're him, you're the Messiah, you're the one that's being provided to us for our salvation. Instead, what they say is, do you have any more bread? Oh my gosh. And it just, to me, is this like, Oh, how often do we do that? How often do we have him and go, yeah, but I want the stuff. Mm. 
And how often do we know in our head who he is, but not practice in our obedience or practice in our dependency or practice in our surrender that now here's what I do when I'm in the presence of a savior Yeah, is to surrender my life. It's not to ask him for more stuff. Wow. So there's a lot to learn just from that crowd and their reaction with the backstory of yeah. how their the their forefathers, right. their their ancestors treated God. And instead of learning from that and being like, okay, next time, when God shows up in that miraculous way in our generation, we're going to worship, we're going to surrender, we're going to trust and say, that's enough. Nope. <laughs> they did the same thing and say, hey, can you yeah. do that trick again? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So. One, one of the things I, I think about with that, Part of it is circumstances, right? Like, God, would you bring healing in this specific way? In this, would you bring provision, financial provision, whatever that might be? For me, at times, it's, it's been, God, I want to trust you and believe you, but I'd really appreciate some more evidence. Mm-hmm. So I don't I want to see you show up, you know, and do that sign, right. do that thing that's going to like build my faith. One of the things I think about when you say that is that like He's given me enough to believe Him. Like even as you point back to the resurrection, as He mm-hmm. did. Like yep. he's given me enough, yep. and yet I still want more. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, "Jesus, you've done enough to prove that you're trustworthy," yeah, you're you're enough. And I think a I think a big part of that, John, is just that that we, I mean, I, I think signs from God, visitations from God, experiencing His presence are incredible things. I've had many many examples of that in my life. I think where we start getting on thin ice is when we go, "I need that to believe," right versus that's a gift from you, God. I don't deserve it. I don't require it, but thank you for when it happens. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's such a gift that you've selflessly given me your presence in this moment. And But I think it's easy then to get addicted to that and go, oh, well, I haven't felt God in my devotions in a long time, so maybe he's not real, or maybe I'm going to walk away, or maybe, you know, so we start putting those, you know, conditions conditions on our belief instead of viewing those moments as a gift from him that we don't deserve, but we appreciate when they happen. Yeah, that's a challenge, man. That's a good, that's a good word as, as another application of this idea of Jesus being the satisfying bread of life. Like, take him as he offers himself to you. <laughs> that's enough. We don't need to add to it, even though we're so tempted to. Amen. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. So I'm hoping at this point, a lot of people listening are are digging into the daily devotional and really finding it fruitful, encouraging, uh, life-giving. I know I am, and, and the people I'm getting to talk to about it are having the same experience. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do head over to whoisgrace.com forward slash I am Jesus, and you can download it and, and write in it electronically. You can print it off. Um, and I'd, I'd also love you to check out Pastor Sarah's daily podcast, My Chair, which has been so helpful for me to just take this whole sermon series to the next level, hearing her process that daily devotion. One of the things in the in the devotion is the challenge for spiritual disciplines, fellowship and solitude. And we got, you and I talked about solitude last time. You were, we, we had this conversation two weeks ago. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on fellowship today. Mm-hmm. All right. When, with solitude, you said it's not just being alone. It's being alone with Jesus. Yeah. Fellowship isn't just being around people. That's right. It's not just having people around you or even having relationships. So what makes fellowship unique in that way, different than just being around yeah. people? So, yeah, you are you can be around people and still be very lonely. And I think it's the same thing that, that applies. You can, it's being around people with Jesus. 
and you know, fellowship is this this word koinonia that's used in the New Testament. It means communion or sharing life. It's this idea of sharing. Yeah. And so we've dumbed down the word fellowship to be news, weather, and sports. So you know, we're, we we how about them Steelers or you know, I like you know, women mom mom say to each other how cute your daughter's dresses or whatever, and then we go nice fellowshipping with you, and that's not what fellowship is. Fellowship is being able to be in relationships where I can share. We share life. So we talk about what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm scared about. Here's what God's asking me to do that I don't have the guts to do. Um, here's the image I'm projecting, but in reality, here's what, what the real me is doing underneath it all. Here's where I'm struggling. It's getting to that level of, of life together. And in the New Testament, we see that sharing life actually meant they were selling their stuff for each other. There's this mutual honoring. The, the whole idea is based on the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So this Trinitarian fellowship where we're holding each other up kind of equally in honor and in sharing and in, you know, mutual submission to, to one another. It's just a really, uh, a really beautiful thing. And so mm-hmm. I, I would just encourage people, if, if you're looking for, this is a, a weakness for me. So, you know, I'm way better at the, at the, at the, um, solitude, solitude thing than the fellowship thing. And, and you know, this is true. And so you asked this question of me and I'm, I'm mad at you like you're mad at me about the doing the dishes. Thing. I even gave you the out, man. I didn't even ask you how are you personally experiencing this in your life, just know, in but, case you don't want to go there. So but I, I, know your I know you're thinking it. I appreciate your bravery. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing. But listen, so it's hard for me. Um, and uh, But a basic suggestion that I would have for people who struggle with this from a fellow struggler is to this very simple uh, question that I've tried to build into some of my interactions with people who I'm trying to go deeper with mm-hmm. is is a, a, a simple construct is to go, let's talk about highs and lows from the week. What were your highs and lows from a week? And that can stay surfacey if you want, but it opens that door of invitation to go, let's go, let's go a little bit deeper mm-hmm. um, in our interaction with each other. And so for me right now, you know, I have one person, uh, a friend that I talk to every week, that we're doing some accountability together and talking about how we're really doing and where we're growing, where we're struggling, some of those things. So for me, that's the outlet for fellowship right now. Um, but I know it's an area that I need to, to keep getting better at. But th- that highs and lows convo is, I think, a, a little baby step for people who struggle with this. Absolutely. To try to go a little bit deeper. I love that. I love that because you you have relationships in your life with other like people listening. You have relationships in your life with other believers, yeah. um, but sometimes they're just on the surface, and you're missing some of the encouragement that God wants to bring through fellowship, that intention intended fellowship. But it requires going a little deeper, yeah. and just asking a question opens the door to deeper encouragement and connection and support uh, yeah. that we all need in our journey. I know we have to wrap up, but can you yeah. can you share a quick story where you see fellowship happening? Yeah, so there is a, a life group that um, that I just heard this last week. They welcomed a new person, brand new person, his first week, and they were sharing sto- the, part of their own story mm. and their journey with God and how God's moved in their life. Like you know, different guys from the group, not everybody shared, but different guys of the group shared, and it was just encouraging for everybody. Yeah. And so I think that idea of of welcoming a new person into that that needed encouragement, make it make him him feel welcome, and then also being real about here's my journey. Uh, like the real, the real version the real of, stuff, of the yeah. mess and, and how God's redeemed it and it is redeeming it. I'm a work in progress. I love hearing that there's safe spaces for people to share that stuff at our church and in, in, in life groups and in relationships. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's fantastic. 
Well, we're so excited that you guys uh, joined us for this conversation today. Uh, we would love for you to check out that I Am Jesus daily devotional, like we mentioned, uh, whoisgrace.com forward slash I Am Jesus. Uh, you can find Pastor Sarah's podcast or daily podcast there as well. If this, this conversation encouraged you, we'd love for you to comment or review so other people can find it. Share it with your friends who would be encouraged by it. Like and subscribe uh, so you get notifications about it every week. For more information about Grace Church here in Erie, PA, go to whoisgrace.com. Uh, and until next time, would your heart be satisfied with Jesus, the bread of life? Thank you.